Man, who enjoyed the choir? You guys got Osano, Love Gospel, and let's give him a groove on, and it was so awesome. So, look, um, I also just want to um, just really acknowledge Pastor Sarah and, and Jason, who've just been so busy and just worked the worship conference here, and also they travelled to New Zealand, they've just got back, and now they're, you know, leading worship, they're just amazing. Praise God for you guys. But, you know, happy Father's Day to all our amazing, wonderful, and hard-working fathers, both tonight. Yay! You amazing. Both uh, spiritual fathers and uh, biological fathers. So, um, this morning we're actually asked, myself and Thomas, to share about the Father's heart, which of course is in line celebrating Father's Day. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I was just so totally blessed by just the revelation, the message that, um, by Bishop Joseph Matera. And um, he spoke at the conference in here at Weber House last Sunday. And uh, it was just so life-changing, so much so that I had to kind of repent for my religious uh, views and my mindset and, um, and just really reset my Christian foundation again. Is it just me or is it anyone else? <laughs> I mean, he's just got a great teaching anointing. But anyway, um, I just wanted to start off that last Sunday, Bishop Joseph um, shared about the Lord's Prayer that I want to reference from. And uh, he first expanded on our Father who art in heaven. And you know, it's so true that we need to understand and have that view that our Heavenly Father is known as Abba, Daddy, or Papa, which is an informal, endearing term. Amen. And that the Father's heart is that he just loves each one of us dearly. And God wants us to relate to him personally. He wants us to have that emotional relationship with him where it's powerful, it's um, loving, and it's intimate, where we are living, fellowshiping, and walking with God all the time. Amen? So, you know, he mentioned that, you know, our God, our Father in heaven, depicts the perfect Father. Amen? So let's just pray. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you are our Abba Father, that we just love you and adore you for who you are. And Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that this morning, Lord, that um, I pray that you just bless your word. And uh, Lord, that you open up our minds and our hearts to really receive a great revelation of who you are as our Heavenly Father, Lord. That's why the heaven is from the earth. That's how much love that you have for each one of us. So bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the first scripture that came to mind when Arthur shared about the Father's heart is about the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. So I'm sure that we're all kind of familiar with um, that parable. And I'm sure that we can kind of reflect back, you know, in our own lives, how we can relate to that journey of the prodigal son, yeah? So in reading this parable, I actually can relate to both not only the youngest prodigal son, but also the eldest son in the parable, because they reflect the parts of me and my journey with God. Amen. In fact, you know, the main theme, I believe, about this parable, it's not really about the prodigal son, but the main theme is the father's heart, who showed that he forgives, he's always merciful, He's loving and he's gracious, which of course is a representation of our Heavenly Father. 
So if you look at Luke 15, 11 to 32, I hope you guys don't mind if I just read out the parable, even though that you guys are quite familiar with them. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So I just want to expand on this. It's in the Jewish culture. Sons usually receive their inheritance or their blessings when their father passes away. In fact, it's the eldest son who receives most of the inheritance um, and the blessings than the youngest. So in this parable, for the youngest son to actually demand his inheritance while his father was still alive, in the Jewish culture, it's actually um, known as quite you know, rude and disrespectful for him to do that. So it's like a slap in the face or an insult for the father. Because the younger son might as well just say, I wish you were dead when you asked for his inheritance. So in this parable, the loving father actually gave him his inheritance. So we just go on to verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You know that... um, for the son to be feeding or even being near pigs, that is the lowest of the lowest job for a Jewish person. Because Jewish people, they consider pigs as quite unclean, forbidden, and, and, and a disgusting animal. So in Leviticus 11, 7, it says, And the pig, though it has divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. Amen. So for the youngest son to actually get to that point, where he longed to eat the food, the food that the pigs were eating. You see, in that country where he was, no one wanted to help him. No one gave him anything. No food, nothing. And I believe that, you know, he came to that point where he actually hit rock bottom. Yeah? When he hit rock bottom, that's when he actually came to his senses and he decided to return back to his father. I know about you, but, you know, have you come across someone that, you know, who was really struggling with sin, or you can see that their life is just spiraling down, and then you, you think, oh, now I've just got to try and help this person, or you try and, and advise them, but they don't want to listen to you. So you can't say, oh, well, you know, maybe they had to hit rock bottom until they kind of learn for themselves. And then, cause, I mean, I used to be like, I was that person. Because, you know, God would place people in my path. I'd say, no, nah, I'm all right, I'm all right. But then when I hit rock bottom, that's when I came to my senses. And, you know, when, when you try and share to your friend or whoever, trying to give them that sound advice, so we'll save them the heartache, we'll save them the money, we'll save them from wandering round and round that long wilderness journey. But, you know, some people are teachable, but then others have to learn the hard way. But um, that's what I love about the Father heart of God is that he doesn't force you and, you know, to follow him. He is gentle. He is patient. He doesn't go against your will. You know, the Father heart of God is that 
Yeah, he's given you a will. Amen. And it's your choice, it's your decision. He is not controlling. And in this parable, the father allowed his son, he gave him his inheritance, and he didn't even stop him from leaving. Amen. So if we just read um, on, verse 18, I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was so filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Verse 30. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property of prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. You know, I'm sure that we can actually relate to the younger son. Amen. Here's a, an illustration of most of us here. You know, where you, he's hit rock bottom in his life, but he came to his senses. And the key here is that he repented. Amen. And the, he said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's when he returned back to his father. You know, I love you know, where the father in his parable is so filled with compassion that he runs to his son. Amen. Even though he was a long way off. See, the son didn't run to him. The father ran to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You know, in the Jewish culture, it is undignified for an elderly father to run, which meant he had to lift up his long robe and show his legs. Especially as this father in the parable was of prominent status and he was quite wealthy in the community. So he breached all cultural traditions. But you know what? He didn't care. He didn't care what people thought. What mattered most was that his son was returning back home. You know, Jesus breached all cultural and religious traditions. You know, he healed people on the Sabbath, um, hanging around for the sinners and, and tax collectors. And he also ministered to women. And you see, that's the father heart through the son. Because in John 14, 7, if you know me, you know the father as well. I am in the father and the father is in me. How awesome is that? See, that's very much the same of how great our heavenly father's heart is for us. That he's filled with compassion. He loves us. He longs to have that relationship with us. That he is pursuing us. So, you know, we were struggling with sin or we feel quite inadequate. 
because of the mistakes that we've made or we've hit rock bottom. You know, he, like I mentioned, that he's rushing towards you. Amen. So that he can embrace and love you. And so, you know, the, the father, when he saw his son return, he wasn't judgmental. He wasn't critical. He wasn't angry. He didn't demand, where is my inheritance? I gave you, you stupid idiot. You know, you squandered everything. So have you learned your lesson? You know, no. The father said to his servants, quick, let's have a feast and celebrate. The father responded by just loving him, not judging him. And he restored him back to his rightful position as a son, not a hired servant. Even though in verse 19 he said, oh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Don't be like one of your hired servants. No. You know, uh, the father's placed a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. And, you know, in the same way, our Heavenly Father wants to transform our lives. He values you. You are the son and daughter of the Most High God. Amen. You know, most of us, or most of you would have heard my uh, testimony, and, um, and I've shared it quite a few times, but, you know, I came from an abusive and dysfunctional family. And... Um, in my journey with God, you know, at times where I experienced amazing power and the love of God, and I had amazing encounters, but yet there were times in my walk I would struggle to connect with God, especially during the challenging times when I felt I was a real zone. And, um, you know, I mean, I'll get these pockets of breakthroughs, and I, at times I was close to God, but in other seasons I just felt so disconnected, so disengaged. With God, and I just really wondered whether God was for me, whether He really loved me. And I just, you know, at times I just felt like I was hitting the ceiling. And just be real here. Amen. And then I heard someone say, there's a direct correlation between the relationship you have with your earthly father and the relationship you have with your heavenly father. If you found your father to be distant, critical, angry, negative, and unavailable for your emotional needs, then you'll perceive your heavenly father in the same way. You know, when I heard this, I thought, oh, no, no, you're not talking about me because I'm okay, but, you know, you need to talk to that person over there. <laughs> and, um, but God started to unravel and he started to show me that I didn't have a healthy perspective of him as my heavenly father because the root cause or the issue in my life, the reason why I was kind of like in and out, in my mind, it's because of my poor relationship with my father. Growing up as a child, when my dad was critical, he was always judgmental, and, and he was always quite angry. And, you know, I remember this um, particular memory when, as a child, and I came back home, and I showed my dad, you know, my report card from school, and um, hoping for that affirmation and encouragement. And then he kind of looked at it and said, oh, it's not good enough. It's not good. So I'm waiting for my dad's son. But um, I'm not saying all some ones are like that, okay? You know, they're not inclusive. But, uh, you know, he just said, no, it's, it's not good enough. It's not enough. And, um, and I didn't realise that that memory stuck with me in my subconscious that it later affected me in life. But, you know, I just want to say that, you know, I have a really loving relationship with my dad now. You know, that, you know, we get along and, you know, um, I think the older they get, they become quite mellow. 
But, uh, you know, but we just love each other and God is happy to work things through my own heart to release forgiveness. And, yeah, so praise God. So, um, and I, you know, in one of my previous churches, one of my previous, previous churches, I was attending, um, I remember just being so busy on a typical Sunday, I was teaching a new Christian class before our church started, and after that, I was leading worship while I was singing in the worship team, and then after that, um, I was praying for people at the altar call, and then, you know, I was uh, busy with just going to church meetings or uh, running youth group, and then... um, in helping youth who you know going through issues in their life, so I was counseling them. And, um, and now, on top of that, I was actually working full time, and um, so I kept it up for some time. And, and then I had a nervous breakdown, I got sick, and I ended up in the hospital. And um, what did I learn from that? You know, don't be a hero because, <laughs> um, in my mindset, without realizing what I did or what I was doing, wasn't I felt wasn't good enough, and uh, wasn't enough, and uh, and you know for me, those don't know me. My wiring is I'm very task focused, and I'm, I'm a very driven person. So you know I need to get things done. I need to get it done and bypass people, and, you know. And so I was busy striving to meet up to God's expectation, to people's expectation. But you know, I not only needed to change my mindset. But I needed balance because I was too busy, too busy that I neglected. The most important thing is to seek God and have fellowship with God and to love Him and have that healthy perspective that my Heavenly Father just loves me. Amen. And you know, some people we have this view that if only I can try and earn God's love, if only I can try and earn His acceptance. By praying and fasting for 40 days, repeating 100 times a day, being really nice to people, that God will love me more and uh, God will accept me more. You know, we can be so busy with the demands of life, work, family, um, ministry, but miss the mark. You know, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff, but you can miss the mark when you have, an, um, when you don't have that personal fellowship or relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I like what Bishop Joseph Material is saying that whatever that you do, whether it's cooking dinner, caring for your children, going to school, going to work or ministry, it's an act of worship because you love God, you love our um, Heavenly Father. So it's just having to change that perspective. And um, I just want to carry on that when we look at the eldest son in the parable, he cried to the father saying, but I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You know, that's the eldest son. That's what he was saying. But I want to highlight the eldest saying, I've been slaving. See, he had that slave mentality. He didn't possess the sonship mentality. See, when you have a slave mentality, you tend to moan and complain. And, you know, it's just like the Israelites. They moaned and complained. And they were slow. They had come out of Egypt. And they didn't trust in God. And in the parable, you know, like I, I shared, the father pleaded and begged his eldest son to come and join in with the celebration. But, you know, the son's response is that he was so angry, he was so judgmental, and, and, and he was just filled with self-righteousness. 
Because he complained to his father and said, that son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home and you kill the fattened calf. See, he was so critical of his younger brother. See, this other son didn't have the full understanding or view of the love of his father, the father's heart towards him. See, the father and the parable pleaded and begged him to come. Amen. He begged him, but yet, you know, he was so filled with self-righteousness. And um, I just want to say that if the son knew his identity and the love of his father, he wouldn't see himself as slaving away. He would have been filled with joy and love and, and celebrated the return of his younger brother and not isolate himself and not be a victim. Amen. If the eldest son knew his identity and the love of his father, he would have known that he had access to all the blessings and inheritance that his father had for him. If the eldest son knew his identity, he would have known his true position as a son who just loved his father. Amen. So our identity and mindset should be deeply embedded in the love of God. And having that healthy perspective of God as our heavenly Father, that He loves you. He loves you dearly. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you fully. And Psalms 103 says, As high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is His love for you. He longs to be connected to you. He longs to have that personal relationship with, with Him because that's what matters more than anything else. Because nothing you know, can separate us from the love of God. Has anyone heard of that author, William Young? No. Yeah? He wrote the novel um, called The Shack, and now it's been made into a movie. Yeah. Powerful, eh? Um, if you haven't read it or seen the movie, it's really powerful. And he wrote this fiction-based novel as a gift for his children and wife and a few of his friends. And it was based on his own struggles in life. See, he, he made a statement um, in an interview that he described his relationship with his father as difficult and painful, where he said that it took him 50 years to wipe the face of his father off the face of God. You know, and his parents were missionaries, and his father was a preacher. And, um, and so, you know, the, the story behind this guy is that he was bankrupt, he had an affair, um, his marriage was about to end. Uh, he was sexually abused when he was a child by um, the local, uh, the native people whom his parents were missionaries of. So as he was processing and just working things through, it inspired him to write this fiction-based novel, this story, which portrays the loving character and the nature of God, the father heart of God. Did you know that his novel ended up being uh, very widespread, that it became a bestseller and sold 20 million copies. Amen. Um, there's also an awesome book um, by Steve Covey, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which Pastor Brad recommended to us. Um, there's a book, there's a part of this book which I found was really quite powerful, um, and it's about tapping on the right side of your brain, where it just... Um, the right side of your brain is about creativity, um, intuitive visualization, and holistic thinking. 
um, you know, we all use both sides, deaf, dead, and white, but it's usually a, a dominant one. Um, I'm more, I use my left side of my brain because um, I'm quite logical, analytical, and structured thinking. I think Thomas, he's more the right side. He uses the right side of his brain. But he says that he's balanced, he uses both. <laughs> but um, Kobe talked about the importance of proactivity by tapping into the right side of your brain because there is power in visualization and imagination. And it does bring about a shift in perspective. And apparently there was an uh, extensive research that was done on peak performance of athletes and successful business people. And the research showed that almost all world-class athletes and successful performance are visualizers. They see it, they feel it, they experience it before they actually do. So they tap into the right side of their brain. So what does this have to do with the father's heart? Well, that was one of the strategies that I've been using to shift my perspective, my mindset, my attitude towards Henry Father that loves me. So every time I was going through a challenging time or, you know, while spending time with God, I would visualize myself just running to God, my Heavenly Father, like a little girl, and then just running towards him, playing at his feet, you know, before his throne. I visualize my Heavenly Father just smiling, amen, and adoring me. I pictured him like uh, Father Christmas, but without the red suit. Okay, don't judge me because I probably think it's dishonoring, just comparing Father Christmas. But, you know, I had to find a character that, that just symbolizes the qualities of a loving father. So I pictured, you know, my heavenly father, like the image of a father with white hair with long white hair, and he was so cuddly. He absolutely loves me so much. He was not angry. He was not critical. He was not judgmental. He was always interested in every part of my life and was eager to listen. Amen. So you got to do what you got to do, what works for you. Amen. So no matter how hard life has been, where you've come from, or whether you've hit rock bottom, or whether you've had a difficult relationship with your own heavenly, uh, earthly father, that we need to have a healthy perspective. That the heart of our father, heavenly father, is to forgive, to love you unconditionally, to guide, protect, and encourage you. He wants to transform your life and deliver you from the old and into a new and better life and give you the very, very best. So in closing, um, I think, you know, one of the other important um, ways of peace that has helped me was just being able to meditate um, and dwell on the Word of God. Because there's so many scriptures in the Bible that reveals His love and the heart of our Hindu Father. In 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. In Psalms 68, 5 to 6, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, and he leads forth the prisoners with singing. In 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and I'll be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You know, I just want to end with an encouragement to all the fathers out there, is to love your children. To have that balance of disciplining in the right way, okay? Not because you're really angry and you kind of take it overboard, but discipline the right way and also love and encouragement and affirm them so that they have a right and healthy perspective of our Heavenly Father. Amen? There's balance. 
And when you have that right perspective, there will be a generational blessing for your children, your grandchildren, and your great grandchildren. Amen. Uh, I can definitely relate with my wife. Um, uh, fathers. My father was someone also, and uh, he wanted me to be a faithful, which means a priest. I said, hey, Dad, I'm a priest. I'm a, I'm a pastor now. And he goes, oh, it's not good enough. This would be in the Catholic Church. And uh, I started cracking up to myself. Um, you know, uh, you know, even though our earthly fathers may fall short of our heavenly father and, and our heavenly father's example, but uh, he made a place for me to uh, to grow up and provide it for me and stuff like that. Um, even though he fell short in other areas, I'm still thankful for him for the many blessings that he uh, bestowed on me. But I think for us, uh, we can all identify with the uh, prodigal son and the uh, and the elder son uh, being out there in the world doing our own thing, knowing that I've got it going on, I know exactly what I'm doing, and uh, falling on our face, especially when you're young and stuff like that. You're trying to get your independence and uh, trying to get away from dad and mom and, and you know, trying to make your own decisions and stuff like that. And sometimes you can be a bit green, a bit immature, uh, and we learn the hard way. And uh, we come back to dad and, and, and our family. And uh, we did be a bit more humble and we learn um, a little bit of maturity and stuff like that. And sometimes we can be at home as well, you know, thinking we're doing all the right things, ticking all the right boxes, and we get stressed out and um, with all the chores and all the tasks that we do that we miss out on the whole glory of why we do the things that we do, being in the family of God, being a part of a family, being blessed, covered, nurtured, and looked after. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, that we're able to celebrate this great nation, Lord Father. Father's Day, um, if we take a moment, Lord God, to reflect uh, on your heart this morning, uh, Father, may we be blessed um, of your goodness, uh, not only for us spiritually, but emotionally in every part of us, Lord Father, um, that you uh, that you've made a way for us, Lord God, in your name we pray, amen, amen. Well, I just want to start from the um, book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4.15, and it reads like this. For those you, uh, for the value might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. You know, Paul the Apostle highlights the importance of fathers uh, and, you know, and the many instructors that we have out there. Um, you know, I think there's a few obstacles uh, when we look at God as our Father. You know, uh, there's a few things that can hinder us from connecting with him as father. And uh, I just want to share a couple of those things. So we start to break down those walls and get closer to God and his heart for us. You know, we live in a fallen world, and even though our earthly fathers are not perfect, you know, in some way or another, you know, they, they do provide and they do do the right things. But, you know, sometimes there, there's that emptiness and that reassurance that, um, that things will be all right. Just thinking on these things, on, on, on your father and whether it be a, a good relationship or a bad relationship, can trigger past hurts and deep wounds um, in our, you know, in our memories when we think about our fathers, you know, because they're not perfect. But 
Now we thank God that we have a heavenly Father that uh, that sets a great example and um, and and is able to restore us, you know, deep down inside. Um, so you know, our even our own experience with our earthly fathers can hinder us from getting close to God, like you know, Samuel was saying. Another thing that can hinder us from um, getting close to God is um, you know the way we see we see um, God as our Father. Um, you know. When I first um, when I first experienced God in my life, um, I, I knew Him as Savior. He's someone that saved my saved my saved my um, saved me from my sins, saved me from getting out of you know out of trouble, saved me from this, saved me from that. He was my Savior, you know. And sometimes we can crystallize God and the Savior as a Savior and miss out Him as Father. And um, or we see we can see Him in many ways. We can see Him as Healer. You know, he's a healer. He can heal us from our disease, our disabilities. Um, but when we have no need for a doctor, we have no need for, you know, for a healer. So, you know, these are, it's important that we see God as Father. A lot of us can see him as teacher. Someone who teaches us the word of truth and gives us a biblical perspective. Um, but, you know, it could be only for two hours on a Sunday. And the rest of the week, it's all... It's game on. We can do whatever we want to do, uh, but that's not you know that's not what God wanted us to do. So we can see God as many things: as, as shepherd, pastor, priest, warrior, deliverer, banker, uh, chief, commander, king, you know, music producer. Um, all of these many titles: the principal, boss, you know, uh, employer. And if we don't have a real connection with our Father, all these. These relationships that we have with all these sorts of people, you know, really you know, it affects the relationship and how we relate with them. And God wants us to see Him first and foremost as Father. Amen. And um, like um, Sandy was saying, um, you know, about uh, about uh, uh, Joseph Matera and, and last week's uh, message about how he was teaching his disciples to pray. And first, he said, first. Our Father. It wasn't say our Savior or our Provider, but our Father. Our Father. And the Bible talks about um, calling Father or Abba or Papa. Now there's a deep, 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 deep emotional connection that you can't get through your head. It needs to come from here. And when you feel, when you experience the embrace of God or the embrace of your Father, you know, as you know, especially during these times of Father's Day, and especially when I see my father interacting with his grandchildren and things like that, and their heart, you know, when they when they see their papa, or you know, they call him papa, and they go papa, and um, it's just you know the the child's an ornament of of uh, you know of father. It's on an emotional deep level that uh, it can't be comprehended mentally or understood. It's something that needs to be felt right here in the heart. And uh, and to see the Father's embrace, you know, not, not judgmental, but just the love of of seeing that, that child, and ex- another expression of who he is, is, is a beautiful thing. Amen. And that's what God's calling out to you. He, he wants you to first... Keep him as father before anything else. Father, Abba, Papa. You know, because, you know, when we see him as father, 
we know that we are sons. And um, when we know we are sons, it really starts to cement our identity in God. The affirmation from our Father's voice affirms who we are in this world, in our family, as a son. You know, the Bible says that the New Testament, um, for the women, it doesn't get really called daughter, but they get put together as sons. Because the son gets a double portion of the father's inheritance. So when you hear sons, that includes daughter, women, and every, you know, so when you hear son, it's a double portion. It's for you as well, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, and it takes time to, to, to process, you know, father, you know, to get past the hurt, get past the, uh, you know, the, the history that we've had with our earthly father and get to a point where we're actually experiencing God. And it's not going to happen in a moment. It's going to take process. It's going to have time to sit and really let that thing soak right in. You know, I take walks out. I, I love taking walks, um, getting out in the open. You know, God has restored us not only relationally um, with each other, with God, but also with creation. Um, I like to walk in and feel the, the warmth of the sun. You know, I just feel the embrace, the warm embrace of God's you know, warmth. I like to feel that and, and, and feel it deep down inside. And, you know, when the wind blows and stuff like that, you know, uh, just the cool, refreshing wind of God's creation embracing you um, and, and supporting you. You know, when we align ourselves up with God, all creation aligned with us. Amen? And, um, you know, that's been the word for us uh, a lot lately, is uh, aligning Father's heart um, and getting connected on, on an emotional level. Woo! Is that good? Yeah. That feels so good, eh? <laughs> um, yeah, um, where are my notes? Uh, you know... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really good to to feel the love of the Lord, you know, and call Him Father. You know, put the Lord aside, put the God aside, and, and really start to uh, start to really get the Father heart in you. You know, the world calls Him God Almighty, but you, you call Him Father. Amen. You know, um, as a lot of you guys know, I work at the Brisbane Youth Detention Centre. I've been there for about nine years now. I look after a unit of young men, about 12 or 14 of them, depending on how busy we get. And uh, we have psychologists, we've got specialists from, of, uh, from doctors, nurses, caseworkers, community workers, elders, uh, we've got uh, ministers, uh, politicians that are pouring all their resources into these young people. And um, and not only that, we're pouring millions of dollars of tax monies uh, of tax money uh, into into the department to um, to stop reoffenders from reoffending and getting them back into society where they can contribute to the community. And uh, um, you know, despite how many instructors or how many psychologists that we that we surround these young people with. The main, you know, the main thing is they need a father. 
you know, they need a father. They want to feel the embrace. And you can't give that as a psychologist. Or you can't give that as a nurse or whatever. That comes from the father's heart. And nothing can replace the father's heart. Uh, we have, um, you know, I, just walking around the center and, the, and, and stuff like that, the boys love to give you high fives. They love to have a handshake. They love to give the, you know, the, the, the side hugs, you know, and give the, you know, the bit of a boot, you know. And they love that. They love the embrace. They love the reassurance. They, their heart really just yearns for it, you know. They, they're hungry for it. The soul is really hungry for the father's affirmation of their son, that they are sons, that they're in the house, that they're after, they have a purpose. Uh, you know the story of the prodigal son when the, when the prodigal son comes home, the, the father goes, put on, this, get him a clean set of clothes, get him the family ring, get him some shoes. We're going to celebrate. It's a celebration. The son's back, and it's good. You know, the, it's not going to end there. There's generations after that, and it's going to go on, and it's going to be great, and it's awesome. Can you feel that? I'm just feeling the anointing of the Holy Spirit today as you know, as I'm bringing this word to you guys today. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, it is so, so important that we, uh, that we connect to God on an emotional level um, and that uh, He affirms us. In Matthew 3, in Matthew 3, 16, it reads, The moment Jesus came up from the baptism water, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And, um, and along with the spirit, a voice. This is my son, chosen, marked by my love. And I'm delighted in him. You know, God's affirmation for us is the cornerstone of our identity in him. Amen. The prodigal son was not loved because of the performance. Remember, this was beginning. This was when Jesus was baptized, and Jesus had spoken. And God had spoken to him, this is my beloved son. This was the before the beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he even healed anybody, before he even you know spread the, the, the word or even multiplied um, food and loaves and, and all of that ministry stuff. The first thing that that, that God had established in Jesus, his son, was he affirmed with love that Jesus. You are my son. I love you. And um, I am so pleased about you. So pleased with you. Amen? So it doesn't matter what performance. It's not about performance. It's about the affirmation of the Father. You know, we can accomplish. We can be driven to perform, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. But if we don't have that connection with our Father on the emotional level, we can drive ourselves crazy trying to become something needs that only God can fill. Amen? And, um, you know, it leads us to crazy, doing silly things. It leads us to some insecurities as a man. It leads us to insecurities. You know, as we see, if we see God as a performer, if we need to perform to, 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 to receive God's um, love for us, then we, we're going to be, um, we're going to be driven with, with so much uh, performance, competition, Jealousy, because if we if we see another person that's still, that's looking better, or driving a better car, or has a bigger church, or has a bigger house, it's gonna it's gonna disrupt the way we see ourselves. You know what I'm saying? 
But if we, if we start to found ourselves and our identity in God's reassurance as son, then we're not going to be driven around, running around, trying to perform something that only God can fulfill in our lives. Amen? And, you know, so God establishes, um, the Heavenly Father establishes Jesus as son and affirms it with love on a deep emotional level. And in, our t- in this time of testing, the devil came to him and said, If, 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 if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. You know the devil's going to come and he's going to try to shake you up, shake the, your very identity in God. Are you the Son of God? Then turn these things. Perform, 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 perform. But if you have a security in God that's not based on performance, but based on the love of God and His reassurance for you, you're not going to have to perform for the devil and get trapped in the performance trap. Amen? Awesome. Um, so, not only for men, but also for women, you know, to receive the love of a father, give you security, protection, and what you need, so you're not running around getting into relationships that you're not supposed to, and looking for that reassurance, looking for that protection. But this is in God. It's in our Father, our Heavenly Father. Amen? Cool. Very good. Um, you know, I like the, the story of the prodigal son, um, especially um, especially the message version, because it has a really great version. So I was going to briefly just go through that and then land this thing. Uh, it starts with a first. And when he saw, and when he was still a long way away, his father saw him. His heart pounded. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I have sinned against God and sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants. Quick, bring the cleanest set of clothes. Dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get the grain-fed kaffir and roast it. We are going to have a feast. We are going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up from dead and now alive. Given up for lost, but now found. And they began to have a wonderful, wonderful time. You know, I love how the father's heart sets the, sets the tempo in the house. You know, sets the tempo in the house. Love, uh, embrace, you know, and, and just um, unconditional, um, you know, uh, uh, love for his son. You know, for both sons, for both sons, even the one in the house also. Um, and that's what we, you know, that's what we need to take with us, people. You know, brothers and sisters, our home, our father's house. You know, we've got to get used to these terminologies. I love brother. I love the brother. Thing, you know, I love the sister thing. I love the father thing. And that's the theme that we need to have in, in, in our father's house. You know, in uh, Zephaniah 3, it says that God sings over us. He, he has melodies over us. You know, he sets the tempo. You know, there's a rhythm. I like it with God uh, when his father was looking out and his heart pounded when he saw his father. It got excited. You know, that's, that's God. You know, that's the melody. That's the, the feel. Of, of God's heart for us. You know, we need to take that, take that out into the world and, and share it with people. You know, we need to, to, to push our walls out further and include, 
more people, you know, include more people in God's family because that's that's our Father's heart, you know, for for our people, Amen, and um, and for the world. So, um, so as as this morning, as as we celebrate our fathers and we celebrate our sonship, you know, today, I encourage you guys to take that take that um, take that feeling of, of Father's heart home with you, and um, and even if you need to soak in it, um, or even you just first allow them to open up, you know, and, and push through, push through the hurt, push through the pain, and uh, and really begin to begin that process of allowing um, your heavenly Father to embrace you on an emotional level um, and receive it, uh, church. So. Um, I want to ask the worship team to come up and and um, just play a little bit of music as we start to finish up, and, and I'm going to open up this this time for a bit of ministry as we close up. Um, so if you can do that, that would be wonderful. But um, I really like the Brisbane uh, choir and that last um, last set that they did. Uh, with melody, and melody in heaven. Uh, I'd like to you guys come up and, and, and I don't think we have to see you here at this stage. But um, I'm going to leave it up to uh, Pastor to, to bring a, a song that he thinks is suitable. And um, I'm going to open up to that. If you, if you feel like you, you're needing a, um, some prayer, you're needing that process to start to begin in your life and you're feeling um, you know, the, the, the Father's heart on an emotional level, then um, I'm going to watch it out as we start to close the service and open up the cafe uh, for lunch and as we close up and, and we go and celebrate Father's Day with our families and, um, and expand the Father's heart out from here outwards. So I'm going to let you guys start to soak in the word and you know, in our Father's house, we really start to receive His embrace and feel His heartbeat for you, towards you.